Welcome everybody to episode 13 of Talkin' Schmodown. We have a big week for you. This was the week of the free-for-all three. So it's it may be a long one. It's going to be my first time kind of breaking down an event like this. So it's a little bit different than, uh, the, than the usual format when it comes to that. So uh, I think we should just really just dive right into it. We got some interesting news to talk about. And, and then I really want to dive into uh, these the the... the, the Intergeekdom match to happen earlier in the week, and then this big event, uh, the free-for-all. So uh, I think we really just need to dive right in. So let's get ready to talk Schmodown. Alright everybody, I am so excited to uh, dive into this episode. Uh, I'm going to start off with some Schmodown news uh, that we've got. The undercard for the May 18th Houston uh, live show at Booker T's Arena has officially been set. It will be Double Toasted returning to take on the two men that they decided to challenge. The Founding Fathers themselves, Dan Merle and John Roca. This is going to be uh, an intense one. The main event for that uh, show will be Ben Bateman versus Andrew Guy. So uh, I, I'm pretty pumped for this show. But uh, it's interesting to see Double Toast to come back. It's like, I don't understand why they wanted to uh, challenge the Founding Fathers. But hey, I guess, uh, you know, reach for the sky, right? Also, the latest episode of Behind the Scenes is up for all the $3 and up patrons to watch. So go and uh, give that a check. I love uh, those videos kind of like you know it's right there in the title behind the scenes you get to get a peek behind the curtain and see uh, kind of how how this how this show get, goes down how it gets made and all that stuff and I, I really dig it so if you're a three dollar and up patron uh, definitely go and check that out uh, also this is a little bit of a side a side piece of news but Christian and the Movie Trivia Schmodown's Twitter pages have officially been verified. Anybody who listens to uh, Collider Live on the regular knows that uh, it, it was kind of a big deal that you know everybody, oh, like most of the people who compete in the Schmodown, you know, have been verified on Twitter. But Christian and the Schmodown itself, you know, hadn't been hadn't been verified, and uh, finally they've been verified. So I think this will spell some good tidings for the show uh, uh you know in the future because i mean i don't know how many of you understand like what it means to be verified but like when you're verified you show up on other verified people's uh, uh messages and on their on their boards and stuff like that because it's it's separated between verified and non um and so now that he is hopefully he'll be able to uh, reach out and actually uh, get in contact with uh, more more people like celebrities and things. Maybe get them on the show. Uh, that I think that would be fascinating. I think this is going to be a, a great step for uh, the Schmodown. 
Also, the March exhibition match is officially up for the $10 and up patrons and will be available in two weeks for uh, all patrons. This uh, month is the Rocky-themed match between JTE and Tom Dagnino. Uh, I will be doing a special bonus uh, episode, and I will be uh, submitting it to Emma uh, for uh, for the site, for the patrons. Um, so keep an eye out for that if you are a patron of the Movie Trivia Schmodown. And speaking of exhibition matches, uh, just yesterday, Christian officially announced that the April exhibition match will be an MCU match, Marvel Cinematic Universe match. It'll be a five-way between Sean Gerber from Superhero News, Jay Washington, Kevin Smets, Mike Kalinowski, and the reigning, defending, champion of the Inner Geekdom League, Rachel Cushing. I am super excited for this one. Um, I'll be honest, I'm a little shocked that it's Sean Gerber in there. Uh, I would have expected somebody like a like a Koi Jandro, you know, since he, you know, he's really steeped in Marvel. I was really expecting uh, someone like a, like Koi to be uh, this one, and, you know, the fact that he hosts superhero uh, or uh, Collider Heroes. Um, so, I mean, I get why Sean, you know, he's superhero news. I get that. Okay, that's that's cool. Maybe Koi couldn't do it, um, or maybe they're just they want to try and push uh, Sean. A little bit more. He did show up at the free for all, as we'll as we'll talk about uh, as we when we get into it. So maybe it's just something that they want to kind of bring more, more of him in into the schmodown. I don't know. So, but I'm excited for that one for the April MCU exhibition match. I, I'm assuming since uh, the, the the end game since uh, Avengers Endgame comes out right at the end of April. Um, it'll probably be out right around that time. I don't know if I doubt it will include any questions from Endgame since that would be spoiler territory. So, and they're most likely going to film it before it actually opens. But I, I'm I'm pretty pumped to uh, to watch this one. As you know, I love the MCU. You know, I, I've loved pretty much all of the the, the movies. So, uh, when there was a bit of a rumor kind of circling around that they were thinking about doing an MCU um, exhibition match for April. I was like, yeah, that would be awesome. You know, get a five-way in there, and that, that's definitely what they did. So I, I'm really excited to see, um, you know, can the newcomer Kevin Smets, the guy who's been dominating the inner geekdom, can he continue to dominate? Or will the reigning champ, Rachel Cushing, just plow through everybody? Or will we get the underdog in Sean Gerber, the, uh, the uh, you know, the, the outlier here who we don't really know a whole lot about when it comes to this? Will he be the one to take over this match? Who knows? You know, I, I, I'm excited to see it. So, uh, yeah, let me know what you guys think. Are you looking forward to this MCU-style exhibition match? Um, let, drop down into the comments and, uh, and let me know. All right. So the next thing I want to talk a little bit about before we get into the matches is uh, last week's episode of Inside Schmodown. We had uh, Kevin Smets' manager... Kaiser was on as the special guest. He talked a, a bit about how he got into the Schmodown, talked about being friends with both Harloff and Kevin Smets. Uh, he talked a bit about uh, the feud and, and the uh, match that he had that, that week with Jay Washington. Um, at this point, it hadn't... Uh, it, 
when this was filmed, they hadn't had the match yet, so it was they're talking about it as if it hadn't happened yet, even though technically it dropped on Patreon uh, the day before, but it didn't go public until Thursday. So if you were watching it all on YouTube, it, it went it went in order. So and 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 the way I, I ended up watching it because I didn't get to the match early enough, I ended up watching it in order, so it didn't really, uh, you know, it didn't affect my viewing of it at all. Um, and and he, so like I said, he talked about that match a bit, and his road, uh, Kevin uh, Smith's road to Rachel Cushing for the title. And, you know, I, I, I love also that it uh, it showed footage from Smith's initial interview with Christian um, via Patreon. Uh, Christian's talked about it before on various platforms. Uh, where where Kevin dressed up as the Macho Man and uh, and did his his whole interview type thing there, um, and that how Christian deemed he wasn't ready yet, and so he had to go into the fan leagues and rise up, and he went undefeated in the fan leagues, and and finally made his way into the into the big show. So it was a good interview. I really I like Kaiser's uh, personality. I like the energy that he brings to it. I think he's a great mouthpiece. But the nice thing about him and Kevin together. Is this isn't like a for you know for WWE fans? This isn't like a Paul Heyman and and uh, Brock Lesnar situation where Brock barely ever talks because he he's not good on the mic. Kevin's good on the mic, but the whole thing is that Kaiser is there to to talk for him and do all this other stuff so that Kevin can focus on the trivia, focus on the game. And you see, like in his post interviews and stuff like that, and during, and even in the opening promos, you know, he does talk. He can handle himself himself on the mic. Uh, so having Kaiser there, it's just so that he can focus. But the fact that Kaiser is exceptionally good on the mic as well, it really helps, kind of, kind of push the characters for both of them forward. And I really dig it, and I'm really looking forward to uh, uh, to what they do next. So let's jump into the first match of the week, and it is the Urban Gladiator Jay Washington versus the Smasher Kevin Smets in an inner geekdom match. Uh, the opening scene for this uh, this video it was uh, Sam Levine, the singles commissioner. He uh, comes out of his office. Mark Riley is there. They talk for a bit, uh, and then Sam sets uh, the match of Riley versus Snyder. Mark Riley, Jeff Snyder. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to this match. Um, this is a match that actually Christian had confirmed a while back on Collider Live. So for those of you who watch Collider Live on the regular, you may remember this. I also talked about it a few weeks back, like at right right after the, he did announce it on the show. I talked about it on Talking Schmodown. Um, that this was something that was going to happen in the future. Uh, Sam didn't give any sort of date or anything like that as to when this match would go down, but I'm excited. I love both Mark Riley and Jeff Steiner. It's good to see Riley back in the saddle doing things. Um, so I'm excited to see this match. Uh, so we have Ken and Roxy on the table for this one. I am so happy to see Roxy there again. She has such a great energy when it comes to this. She is so excited every time she's on, on the desk, and it shows. She She's just beaming with uh, excitement every time she's there, and I love it. It brings a great energy, like I said, uh, to, this, uh, to every match that she has done. And I think this is her third one that I can remember. 
So I'm excited. I hope that she gets the opportunity to do more uh, on-the-desk stuff. And being there with Ken, I thought was just a, a recipe for success. I thought it was great. He is he is a fantastic person on the desk. And to have uh, the two of them together working off of each other, I think it worked perfectly. And I got to say, I am glad Roxy was able to find the office today that her uh, she did not listen to her body and instead listened to her GPS. For those of you who don't understand that reference, go and watch Collider Live or listen to our other podcast, After Live, on, on this same network. So during the opening promos, uh, it was a, it was pretty fun to see Ethan out there with Jay. He was really kind of getting into uh, Jay's style of things. He even went uh, as far as to say uh, Jay's catchphrase, which was pretty pretty awesome. I absolutely loved that. I loved the the kind of like kind of synchronicity that they're getting into. They're really as a as a as a as a stable. You can kind of say it as a team, even though they're not technically a team. Um, but as a duo, I really dig uh, what the two of them are bringing. So um, I really, I really enjoyed seeing that. So Kevin Smets is out first with his manager Kaiser. Uh, Ken makes an Arachno Boy joke because uh, Smets was wearing a Venom uh, hoodie, and this joke actually made Smets crack a smile, which I thought was really funny because he's trying so hard to be the tough guy, you know, to be the the stern, like the mean mugging it. And Ken makes this Arachnoid Boy joy, uh, joke, and it, it just it makes him crack a smile. And I thought that was that was awesome. That just shows you how good Ken is on the mic. Then Jay uh, is out next with Ethan. Jay and Smets get in each other's faces. They do like a standoff. This is a thing that I like that they have been doing specifically uh, almost every time you see them together is that they uh they kind of the face off at one or they just get in each other's face it's like old school it's like it's like, a, it's like boxing or something or something like that you know i really dig that i thought that was really cool so so we get into round one and this was a great round for kevin smets not so much for jay washington um you know, they both get their first question right then. The second question comes around. They both missed their second question. What I thought was funny about it, the only reason I'm even mentioning it is I thought it was really funny because it's a Star Wars question. And they both missed it because Star Wars has kind of become infamous for being difficult uh, you know, when it comes to the questions just because of how deep they've gotten. I've mentioned this several times, um, you know, about how I, I would never uh, choose... Uh, Star Wars on the wheel, and, and if it landed on you know uh, opponent's choice for some, for the other player, I would give them Star Wars, uh, unless it was like Alex Damon randomly in the Inner Geekdom League or whatever, but or, or like a Ken Knapsack even. But I, I just thought it was really funny, so I thought it was kind of worth mentioning that they both missed the Star Wars question uh, in here. Um, this um, started off a six question. Uh, Losing streak, I guess you could say, for Jay Washington. He got, starting with that question, he got six in a row wrong. We get to question eight, and, he, and he's dying out there. But, you know, when question eight's being, being uh, read, he's only got one point, and that was from the very first question. Um, so luckily, he was able to get another point, but that was the, that was the only other point that he ends up getting in the entire round. Uh, Kevin ends up with a, with a, with a great score. He, he just kind of dominates throughout, uh, that he only missed two. So the, the score at the end 
round one was Jay Washington two, Kevin Smets eight, uh, and this is out of ten total. So, like I said, Kevin did, did he did really well. You know, eight out of ten, that's great. Jay, on the other hand, not so much with only scoring two points. Then we hop into round two. Kevin defers to Jay, and Jay spins Marvel movies and decides to stay. Now, this is Marvel movies, not the MCU. This is all the Marvel movies. Um, I don't, I'm not 100% sure if they include the, uh, the MCU as well, but I don't think so. I believe it's just the random other MCU movies. It's just like with the DC category. It's there. You have the DC EU, and then all the other DC movies uh, out there in the DC movies category. So, so we get into question one. Jay hits it. Question two. He goes multiple choice, misses it. Kevin gets the steal for uh, uh, one point. The f- interesting thing about this, it's it's almost controversial. Uh, I don't think most people view it this way, but I could have seen it kind of dropping down that way. Um, when he went to multiple choice, the answers came up, you know, and, and Roxy was reading them, and both answers B and D were the exact same. They were Blackheart. So realistically, there were only three choices, which I think this kind of threw Jay off. Uh, it caused it kind of caused him to pick Blackheart. Thinking, well, it must be it. Maybe they they must have messed up, and that's that's what the answer was. Because you know, I I've seen this kind of thing happen before, where it's like all of a sudden the same answer is in there twice. You're like, oh, is that the answer? Did they mess up? And and it caused him to second guess himself and choose it. I'd be honest, I would have challenged it. it you know, you, you never know. I think I think it's the possibility of it. I I would have challenged it. Um, just because the fact that there were two of the same answer, granted, he may not have he may not have won because that wasn't the correct answer. But I think I would have I think he would have had a case for for a challenge as long as long as he worded the challenge correctly. So uh, I mean, either way, it, it didn't happen. No one no one even that thought didn't cross anybody's mind to to even try to challenge. So. Um, I just, it's something that the writers really need to keep an eye on. And he goes on to uh, hit his three and his number three and four questions. He uh, one of them was multiple choice. One of them he got for the two points. And he gets down to his last question, multiple choice misses it, and Kevin gets a steal. So that's pretty big for Kevin. He ends up with two points off steals during this match or during this portion of the round. Uh, Jay ends up picking up. Five out of ten points, and that's not terrible. But the fact that he allowed Kevin to get a couple of steals in there really kind of hurt his chances, especially with being so far behind uh, in the first place. So it ends Jay's portion of round two with Jay still behind, still trailing Kevin seven to ten, and that is definitely not where you want to be uh, in, in a match at the end of round two. Uh, Kevin then comes up, spins Harry Potter, and stays, which I thought was really interesting because there's really only ever a couple of people who, when they land on Harry Potter, you know, they're like, "Yes, let's get, let's do this." And it's been uh, Rachel Cushing and uh, Emma Fife. They were really the ones that I that I've always remembered. Really, I think um, I think Mara as well was uh, was big on Harry Potter as well. So, but yeah, it's like. 
there's only ever a few. So to see him hit Harry Potter and not even hesitate, but like, yes, that's the one he wants. And he showed it because he dominated this round, nailing all five questions for never once going to multiple choice. He hit all 10 of his points and Kevin Smets wins at the end of round two via a knockout. He lived up to the name smasher. He smashed his round two questions. And unfortunately for Jay Washington, he smashed the Urban Gladiator into the ground with a final score of Jay Washington, 7, Kevin Smets, 20. 7 to 20. That is an impressive spread right there. Uh, The nice thing about this is Jay, he's not giving up on the inner geekdom. Or on taking down Smets. He is determined to study, get back out there, and take him down. Uh, I'm excited to see that. I love because a lot of times, especially when you get beat like this, you know, that can really deter you, can make you kind of second guess what you're doing in the league. So I'm really glad to hear that he is not second guessing himself and that he is going to continue on. Uh, in in the in the inner geekdom league and in in his battle to take down the smasher, uh, Smets is now two and zero with two two knockouts. So that's really impressive. Uh, he he's kind of doing what Mike you know Ko Kalinowski did at first, and he's he's knocking everybody out. So we'll see if that trend can continue. You know who will be the one to stop the smasher? Who knows? You know I'm interested to see. Uh, how it all shakes out. He still wants Hector Navarro. Um, he wanted Hector in the first place. Then Jay came out and challenged him. So he accepted, obviously. But he still wants Hector Navarro. We have not seen Hector in a long time. He's uh, currently working for DC on DC Daily on the over at the DC Universe uh, app. Um, I don't know if he'll if he's you know willing to come back or not. I, I don't know what the deal is. We haven't heard from him at all. So I hope that he does. He's a former champ, you know, a former inner geekdom champ. I'd love to see him come back and uh and and take on Kevin Smets. Hopefully, it could be a great match, something I mean, no offense to Jay, but this was a rough one for him. Um yeah, I I don't I don't know what happened. I really don't. It's just like he says in his in his uh interview, you know, he, there's a lot of a lot of questions that were on the tip of his tongue. He just couldn't pull them out, you know, like he knew them. And I've had that happen plenty of times when I'm and I'm just sitting on, you know, on my couch or in my bed watching this or whatever and 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 you know, sometimes I I know the answer, I know the answer and it's just it's right there and I just can't pull it out. And then when they say it, I'm like, "Oh, I knew that." And so I could just imagine, you know, just what it would be like under the lights and having that same kind of kind of thing happen. And then once you get on like a like a losing track like that for you know a few questions like that, it really I feel like it would really deter you. Um, I, whether that's true or not, I don't know. But that's that's I feel like that's how it would would go. And it just I feel like it would just snowball. And part of me thinks that's kind of what happened here is is he got you know he missed a few he he he, he tried to pull him and he couldn't get him out and then it just kind of snowballed from there. Um, and like I said, he did okay in his second round, but it was just. It wasn't enough because of how far behind he was and then just how dominant Smets was during that, uh, his portion of the round. Uh, it just, it, it just, there was really nothing that Jay could do um, but hope that, that Kevin would get some questions wrong in round two, which he didn't, unfortunately. So um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly interested to see how well Jay does during this five-way exhibition match for the MCU. Um 
especially with uh, Smets there. He'll be meeting up yet again, so he'll get he'll get another opportunity to try to take him down. So I'm interested to see that. And now it is time. This is time for the part that you've all been waiting for, the free-for-all three 40 competitors coming in. This was an amazing event. Uh, I, I absolutely loved it. Um, I did not get the chance to watch it live as, as it went down. Um, usually with these live events, I, haven't, I don't watch them right when they're airing live. I usually watch them later, in that, later on that night. Unfortunately, there was some issues uh, with the live stream. One, I heard that the uh, switcher broke, so they were stuck in the in the like the far wide angle for most of the event, which kind of sad. Um, but you know, you still got to see the event, um, and, and they were able to you know cause they were still recording all that other stuff. It's just they couldn't switch back and forth for the live. And so when they when they put it up on YouTube there and everything, they were able to uh, you know make it the way that it's supposed to be, which which was good. Um, also, they had a problem with a copyright strike, which pulled it down, which is why I wasn't able to watch it that night. Uh, I it didn't I don't think it came back up until Monday morning. I think is when it was uh, available again. Either Monday morning or like late Sunday night. I can't remember when it was. Um, it, it became available, and they extended the period of time for for uh, patrons who could watch it. Um, I I didn't able I wasn't able to watch it until after it dropped on YouTube. So you know it is what it is. Um, so when I watched it, I I, I kind of did it as the two parts because it was in those two two part videos. But yeah, they ended up with a copyright strike, and I'll talk about who who caused that copyright strike when we get there. So we're going to start with uh, part one, the first video that they uh, showed. And this one starts off with the pre-show. Jen Sturger's in the back roaming around, chatting with people for roughly a half. It was like 26 minutes. It was almost a half an hour uh, of pre-show. Obviously, during the live event, they did a separate pre-show. They had, uh, apparently, they had Emma and Frank Janish out there doing stuff for the live audience uh, as far as the pre-show goes. So um, we didn't get to see any of that. I'm interested to see if they post any of that um, like they did for the – like uh, the rundown did that for the New York show because it was uh, Brad and him doing the, the, the pre-show for that. So I'm interested to see if they post any of the pre-show as part of the Schmodown rundown. Uh, upcoming, so and I because ha- I haven't listened to the newest episode of Schmodown Rundown, I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure if they did that or not. I try not to listen to it until after I record mine because I don't want any sort of biasness or anything like that based on what they've done. Uh, but I still love to listen to those guys; they are fantastic. They're the whole reason that I got that I decided to do my own. I, I love what they do, and it, they made me really want to talk about the Schmodown as well. So. If you guys aren't checking them out, please do so as well. Uh, so she, she, you know, she's in the back. She first talks to Mark Andreco. They talk a bit about that controversial ending with uh, John Roca. Uh, Andreco says, you know, they, he may be stepping away from the singles for a while, but you know, he's he's not gone or anything like that. Um, and he, you know, he talks about how you know they're they they've moved past that ending. You know, it was. It had nothing to do with John. It was just the situation that, you know, he was not happy 
with how it shook out. But you know they've they've you know they've they're they're cool and everything, and you see that later on uh, at one point that uh, they're on stage together and and, and everything seems seems good. So that I I, I like that. Uh, she talks to Roca. He gave a great interview as he always does. Uh, that was one of the highlights of the uh, um, of the pre-show. I loved that. Um, okay, I gotta say, whoever was running the camera during the bibs. The William Bibiani interview. I, I don't know what they were doing, but the camera just kept like meandering off, you know, leaving them off screen. It's like off toward the ceiling and stuff. I don't know what was going on. Uh, it, it was really awkward, and I, I didn't like. I don't mind the you know like hand cam style, almost shaky, whatever. Like you know where it, where it's like that, but the fact that it's just they were pretty much off frame. It was just the ceiling. I was like. That's too much. I don't like that. If it was done on purpose, then it needs to stop. If it was done on accident, they need to be be more careful uh, when it comes to whatever they're doing with the camera, especially if they're just using handheld and and that's you know why it's going like that. Get like a monopod if you need to to set it down for a minute and, and then you can pick it up and do your thing. But yeah, I don't know. I I, I wasn't a big fan of that so. Uh, with about 10 minutes left uh, in the pre-show, Emma and they go to the stage. Uh, they switch over to the stage. Emma and Frank Janish are there to introduce Christian and Mark Ellis to the stage to open the show. As always, Christian and Mark are fantastic hosts. I absolutely love seeing them together, seeing their camaraderie. They're, they have great energy together. I, I just love the way they flow off one another. It's, it's fantastic. And as hosts... They are they are great, so I'm really glad that uh, they've been opening these shows. I mean, this is their baby, so I you know it's nice to see. Um, Mark makes a, uh, a Jussie Smollett joke, and uh, I'll be honest, it made me uncomfortably laugh. <laughs> um, I was like, oh man, even Christian's like, oh too soon, too soon. Um, yeah, so that was kind of kind of interesting. Um, as with last year, they announced, you know, that the winner will get a title shot and the MVP will get a number one contenders, uh, match of their choosing for whichever, you know, uh, league they decide they want to, uh, do that in. So, and pre- the previous, uh, winners of the free for all, both Sam Levine and Brianne Chandler came out to give their thoughts on this year's event. Um, then they went and they showed a promo package about the history of the Schmodown, and they showed this like long shot of John Schnepp, oh, and it, it really hit me. It, the big man, John Schnepp, it was, I, I miss him all the time, and so seeing him in there, and like I said, this was kind of a long, like they, they, they held the shot for for longer than most of the other pieces of this, and I really liked that. They they really lingered on on Schnepp and I and I love that it was it was great, um, it was great to see. Um, they did uh, make some rule changes which I like. Um, the final round will, would uh, is to now go until there's one person left standing. In the previous years, they'd get down to those final five people and they would just like the person with the highest score, boom, would win. Um, and, and it wasn't like a, like a knockout kind of a thing. It wasn't elimination style for those five. Um, un- unless, you know, a couple of people had the same score at the end, then they would have done it that way, I'm sure. But um, 
they incorporated also a new uh, one for if you have you know either if if either, essentially it's if everybody on the on the table has the same score at the end. Uh, he he says uh, perfect rounds, but it it it, it only happens uh, at one point in the match, and it's not because of perfect rounds. It's because every player has the same score, so it doesn't you know the way he he explained it as as you know if you all have perfect rounds, um the you know there'll be an additional three questions uh, to kind of. See where that goes, um, and as we'll talk about it when we get there, it, it's it's not perfect rounds, but we'll we'll get there when we get there. That's that's at the end of the match. So round one, the first five competitors out are William Bibiani, who I'll be honest, the fact that he was number one, I felt really bad because seeing how he played last year, uh, staying in there for like twenty twenty one rounds. You, you knew he was going to be, a, uh, as his nickname says, a beast in this match. Um, and so the fact that he was number one, I was like, oh, man. It's like they're like stacking the deck against him almost to, for, you know, so that he almost can't win because because he's number one and eventually he's going to get knocked out. And, and one of the players later on, we'll, we'll talk about that when we get there, um, even makes a comment about that as well, so. Okay, so like I said, number one was William Bibiani. Then we had uh, number two, Rachel Silvestrini. Number three was Jonathan Harris. Number four, Brendan Meyer. And number five, Rachel Cushing. Uh, I, I I think this was a pretty good start. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I noticed something that has actually that happened several times throughout the show. Uh, it really sucks when you get to that when you're in question four and you're heading into question five and you already know no matter what happens that you are eliminated. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you answer it right or wrong, you are gone. The only thing a lot of the times that you can do is try to take other people out with you, which seems kind of cutthroat, but Hey, you know, that's the game, I suppose. But it, it does it. it. It sucks when you get there. You're like, Oh man, this person's out no matter what. That 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 really blows, uh, and that happened with with for Rachel Silvestrini. Um, she fell back a couple of points and and was never able to get up there. Uh, and going into that last question, it didn't matter. It, it, everybody could else. I think I think it was, everybody else could have gotten it wrong, and she still would have been out. I think it was what the what the deal with that one was. Um, so it, that was kind of a bummer for for her. But you know, hey, someone's got to go. Uh, first, eventually, and, and, and in this case, it was Rachel Silvestrini. Uh, the other Rachel on the table, Rachel Cushing, had a perfect round. She was the only one with a perfect round uh, going, starting off this, this game. Then we get into round two. Devon Stewart comes out as number six. Rachel Cushing with another perfect round. And Jonathan Harris is eliminated. We are just kind of knocking people out here. Round three. Number seven is Winston Marshall. Uh, he comes. I actually, I really dug his. Uh, he came out dressed up as uh, Winston Duke from Us, uh, from Winston Duke's character from Us. He had the the sweatshirt and the, and the glasses and the baseball bat. I really liked that. I thought that was really uh, a, a cool entrance. Um, 
No one in round three got a perfect round. However, uh, Brendan Meyer did get the first four questions right. He was just on a roll. It was really cool. Um, and unfortunately for Winston Marshall, he may have had a great uh, entrance costume, but he did not have a great round, and he and Devon were eliminated here. This is the first round where two people uh, were eliminated. And we head into round four. Uh, the number eight contestant is... None other than Brianne Chandler, the winner of the uh, 2018 free-for-all. I was honestly shocked to see her. I didn't think that she would uh, come back and compete again. So I was really honestly shocked to see uh, her come back out. And number nine, a newcomer, a debut in the uh, Schmodown, Adam Witt from The Movie Guys. Uh, This is apparently a new tag team. Uh, who will see his partner later on in the show. Um, in this round, we saw a new category introduced. It was the Marissa Tomei category. Even Christian says he said that he hadn't seen this one before, so I thought that was kind of funny, uh, that some categories are being created, and apparently he has no idea. So I thought that was kind of funny. Um, unfortunately for both Brianne and Adam, who came out this round, this was their only round, as both Brianne Chandler and Adam Witt were eliminated. Uh, William Bibiani stays in by the skin of his teeth here. He just barely got by. Luckily for him, he uh, managed to hang into round five. And that saw the number 10 and number 11 competitors, William Bibiani's partner in crime, Whitney Seibold, and Sabina Graves from Superhero News. This is Sean Ger, as we talked about before, Sean Gerber from Superhero News. Uh, this is his uh, tag team partner. Now, this overall was a rough round. Not a lot of scoring from really from anybody. It, it, it was just it was rough. Um, Sabina ends up being eliminated. Whitney uh, survived again, just like Bibbs the, the the round before by the skin of his teeth. Um, sometimes that's how you gotta play the game. You know, it's all about staying in. It's it's with the free for all. It's not necessarily about answering the most questions. It's just about answering more than at least one other person. That's what it's all about because you just need to stay in and get to that next round. Um, speaking of the next round, we go into round six and contestant number twelve, Vanessa Fitzsimmons from Late to the Party, and she had one of my favorite uh, entrances. In this in this uh, event, and it was a fi- it was a Finding Nemo. It was the little girl uh, in the dentist's office, the dentist's um, the Australian dentist's niece. Uh, she had like the purple sweater and the braces and the pigtails and the bag with uh, Nemo in the bag. It was a great uh, little one. I really loved it, uh, but. Just like Winston Marshall, you have a great entrance, but not a great round. Vanessa is eliminated, and I have to say, I'll be honest, I'm a little disappointed in Vanessa as she missed um, Morgan Freeman in Shawshank Redemption question. I, As it's being asked, I'm like, anybody who misses this? Because the question is, who essentially, it's who played uh, Red in... Uh, in Shawshank Redemption. And I said to myself, anyone who misses this probably shouldn't be in it. And unfortunately for her, she missed it. And I don't know how. This is this is one of my 
favorite movies of all time. This is this is a top. And I know it's like that for a lot of other people. This is a film that I think every single person needs to see. And it's Morgan Freeman. It's red. I don't understand how you missed this one. But unfortunately, it spelled her demise and caused her to be eliminated. Uh, in the round seven, we have number 13, Jen Kemp, who comes up from the fan leagues. Uh, there was a uh, a question in this. It was, the answer was fifteen seventeen to Paris. That question, I think that was rough. Um, nobody got it right, and even me, as I'm sitting there, I'm like, "Oh, I know this movie. What is?" And I'm I'm spewing. I think I said like fifteen thirteen to Paris or something like that because it was those numbers. I just could not remember what because it was such a bad movie. It was it was it was terrible. It was one of the worst movies that year, and. I, I just it kind of put blocked it out. And I feel like that's what a lot of other people did. They just kind of blocked it out of their brains. Um, and, and nobody got that one. Um, and as has been a little bit of a trend here, uh, the person who come who came in is the person eliminated. And Jen Kemp is out just one round in, one round out. Um, however, if Jen had answered her final question correct, Rachel would also be gone here. So Rachel just just managed to squeak by uh, by the skin of her teeth as well because she missed, I think, that final question. And uh, that that's what caused her to uh, almost be eliminated. And we get into round eight. We have Greg Elba coming out uh, dressed as Bradley Cooper's character from A Star Is Born. Uh, and apparently this is what we got the copyright strike for. Um, he came out apparently to uh, the song Maybe It's Time from the film Star Is Born, and it got hit for a copyright strike. So they went in, and they played uh, apparently like some royalty-free country uh, music kind of, kind of stuff over the top of... You can kind of hear underneath it some of the like words to the other song, but it's just like you can tell it's a little louder. A little bit more pronounced, and it's just over that portion of the song, and I thought that was pretty funny. Um, I loved his, he, he did the character, it wasn't just the outfit, he played the character throughout, and I don't know if that was detrimental to him, because we've seen that be a detriment to other people uh, in the Schmodown before, where they are too much into the character and trying to be that character while playing as well. Um... Uh, it I th- it may have it have uh, been a factor in his uh, h- him being eliminated, um, but with him he ended up taking out both Whitney Seibold and Rachel Cushing. Rachel lasted eight rounds, uh, rolling over. She made it past uh, more than eleven you know eleven people. So uh, you know it was a good round. It was it was a good run for Rachel. I I, I really uh, I think she did really well. Um, in this, and she she's definitely definitely one of my one of my faves throughout, even though it was early on. All right, so then we get into round nine, and we have uh, three new con- competitors uh, coming in. Both Bibbs and Brendan are still in there from that from the very first round, so they're killing it here. Um, round nine, we get competitors fifteen, sixteen, and seventeen. Number fifteen is Alonzo Duralde. Number 16 is Eric Zipper. And number 17, someone that Brendan Meyer knows very well as he recently fought a match against him, Paul Oyama. 
Uh, there's a, a new category here. Um, it's called Matt and Ben. And this is Matt Damon and Ben Affleck movie. So I thought that was an interesting category. I kind of hope we see that more. Uh, like maybe even get like a wheel slice. I think that'd be fun. Um, now, before I talk about who was eliminated, I got to say, when it comes to, to Paul Oyama, you know, yes, he had a perfect round. He's very talented. He is, he's good. I'll say that. He, he, there's no denying that Paul Oyama is good. However, I don't like him. I really do not like him. He has a big mouth and it needs to be shut down. Someone needs to take him down. Now, there have been plenty of heels who run their mouth and things like that. But for some reason, I don't know what it is about him. But he just it just rubs me the wrong way. I don't know why. I just don't like him. It happens. And maybe that's what he's going for. But just it's just the way that he... The way that he carries himself, um, it, it, there's an arrogance, but it's not like a like a Andrew Guy kind of arrogance, uh, you know, where he, he's got like a charm to him when it comes to it. This guy does not have a charm to him. It's almost like like a weaselly arrogance, and I just I, I it rubs like I said before, it rubs me the wrong way. I just don't like him, but. He may be a great guy outside of this. I have no idea. But the character, at least, inside of you know the, the movie trivia schmodown, not a fan. So, so okay, so getting into the eliminations for round nine, it's Alonzo Duralde and Eric Zipper. They get eliminated. Uh, Brendan uh, knocked both of them out with a correct answer, saving himself. If he had missed, all three of them would be gone. Um, but he hit that answer and managed to stick around, kind of sticking it to the to uh, to Paul Oyama, who was egging him about, uh, you know, saying he was gonna be gone here because he beat him before Oyama beat uh, Meyer in their match, and so he was he was really just kind of egging him, and uh, yeah, wasn't a fan there. So round ten, uh, Mike Kalinowski comes out and Lon Harris. Mike is number eighteen. Lon Harris number nineteen. Lon and Paul end up being eliminated here. Sorry, Lon. Um, it just wasn't your your game here, unfortunately for you. Uh, and Paul, bye-bye, Paul. Bye-bye. See you later. And as we see here, Brendan Meyer stuck around way longer than you, Paul. What, you last like two rounds? Freaking Brendan Meyer's round number 10, and he is still in it. You gone. Brendan Meyer in. So get off your damn high horse, man. Just because you beat him in one match doesn't mean anything. You lasted two rounds and Brendan Meyer smoked your ass. There it is. Peace out. So we're getting to round 11. Number 20 is a newcomer, Paul Preston. This is the other member of the movie guys. And he comes out number 21 with Kevin Smets. Smets and Kalinowski size each other up. Eventually, they will face off as long as uh, Smets keeps uh, winning in the inner geekdom. You know that that's an eventual uh, thing that will happen. So it was cool to kind of see them kind of sizing each other up. This round brought back a category that I have been championing, championing 
for quite a while, and that is the video game category. I'm glad to see that back. I hope it kind of sticks around more. I hope it makes its way into inner geekdom and and, and really kind of sticks around more. I, I really dug it. Um, and unfortunately for him, Kevin Smets is eliminated here. Um, it was close. Mike managed to stick around for another round. But Kevin, unfortunately, is out. And, I mean, this doesn't really say all that much. Um, he's never said, he's never touted, oh, he's the best movie trivia player. He's talking about, he's he's inner geekdom. That's where he is. This was not inner geekdom. This was essentially the singles division. Realistically, that's what this is. This is all the singles division. If you are strictly a uh, uh, an inner geekdom player, you may not do great here. This was something I was thinking about if, because on the poster for the free-for-all, you know, they show everybody, and they do that on purpose, you know, you never know who's going to be in it, so everybody's on the poster, including Alex Damon, the, you know, the Star Wars champ, and it got me thinking, well, if Alex Damon was in this, yeah, he's a champ of the Star Wars League, but if he was in this, this is the singles league, could he actually do well? I don't know. And, you know, we saw that with Kevin Smith here. He's great in inner geekdom. That is where he shines. He did not do all that well as far as the singles league, as far as overall movie trivia goes. So that that is why there are separate leagues. That is why there are people who are only in those certain leagues. So, I, you know, I, 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 I don't really necessarily count this as, you know, as, as, a, as a letdown for Kevin. Uh, this is not where he's focused. He is like, I think he even kind of said that. He's like, he's focused on inner geekdom, and that is a big part of it. So, I, I mean, I'm still excited to see where he goes in, in the inner geekdom league. So, we get in around 12, and number 22 out of the gate is Haley Fouch. Uh, we get another Remember the Titans question, and it took everybody down. Nobody got this one right. So, Remember the Titans strikes again. I, I people need to watch this movie. You know, I don't I, I don't understand how it's such a plague for people. Like, I like that movie. It's good. So I don't I don't understand. Just watch the damn movie and take some freaking notes because you know that they're gonna ask questions about it. It's in the rotation, it's in there, and it seems to stump people all the time. So people, the, you know, you guys you need to get out there, you need to watch this movie and take notes on it. You know, you just, you just do. And this was a fantastic match, a fantastic round. William the Beast Bibiani clears the table. Brendan Meyer ends up running 12 rounds throughout this game. And the Beast hits it for XXXX. Needs a shirt. Get Bibiani a shirt. Do it in that style uh, uh, that you had for Mark and Draco, and I just want to see a 4XXXX shirt with free for all MVP like on the back or something like that. That I think that would be I would I would 100% buy that shirt. That 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 would be awesome. Um, yeah, that this was impressive. This was something else, and uh, especially because Bibbs being number one. He gets in there and he just clears out the table, resets everything, almost like starting over. You know what I mean? So I I, I love that. Um, and right here, this is where they decide to take a five minute intermission, and this is where this first video, part one, ends. 
is with it. And I don't like obviously it's not planned that way, but I think it worked out perfectly that Bibbs was able to clear the table uh at the end of like the two hour mark for that video and uh it was like the perfect point for an intermission. And I think Christian saw that. He's like, you know what? This is this is the perfect point for that. So I, I'm I'm glad they did. Um, and so, yeah, that was the end of video one. And so we get into video two. We come back and we start off with round 13. And we have four brand new competitors joining uh, William Bibiani. Number 23, Robert Montano from Late to the Party. Comes out in a police academy entrance. Number 24, John the Outlaw Roca. Number 25, the android himself, Mark Andraco, and number twenty-six, Jeff the Insnider Snyder. Yeah, this is this is a, a like a, a this is a great table, and I, I gotta say I love Robert, but he was definitely the odd man out here. You have power players. You have William Bibiani, John Roca, Mark Andraco, Jeff Snyder. These are vets, power players. Robert, you know, he's pretty good. Him, him and Vanessa, you know, they they've done some good stuff in the tag team uh, division. But as a singles competitor, he he really hasn't, like, jumped out. They don't compete that much in general. So he hasn't had that much of an opportunity to uh, do that. Um, Roka comes out wearing his... Or he didn't come out. He sits down and he pulls out the blindfold. This is something that he does a lot on, like, real big, intense matches. So I thought that was fun. Um, They introduced a new category here called... Period piece slash costume dramas, which was cool. And I gotta say, this was not a good round for Robert, or really for even for like Mark and Draco for that matter. But it was definitely it. It was not. It was Robert's. It was not Robert's round. As I said before, uh, he was the odd man out here, and unfortunately for Robert, this round really highlighted that. Um, he, he was eliminated with zero points on the board. That is a tough, a tough one to have to deal with, to not get anything right uh, when you know throughout your five questions in the round. And it's like he's not—he's not a bad player by any stretch. He—he's he, a good player, but this just wasn't. This just wasn't his round, unfortunately for him. Then we get into uh, round fourteen. With number 27, Andrew Guy. Uh, Guy gets uh, scolded at one point for possibly cheating. Um, You know, he looking over at William Bibiani's board. We don't really know if that's what he was doing or not. It wouldn't surprise me if that's what he was doing. Christian told him if, if he catches him doing it again, that it will be grounds for disqualification. Uh, Guy really played up the uh, the part of the heel you know, kind of leaning into all that stuff, talking trash to Bibbs, who he was sitting next to. Uh, we got a new category here, which was Get Your Geek On, which uh, I'm assuming was is essentially, here's the Inner Geekdom League rolled into one category, so it could be anything from anything inside of the Inner Geekdom League, which is an interesting uh, category, I think. I dig that. Um... However, when they're asking this question on the screen, like for the audience watching the video, uh, you know, you get the question, uh, and and it shows what the category is. But on the screen, it said Cameron Diaz, so I thought that was kind of funny. 
Um, <laughs> whoever was putting it up on, whoever was doing the graphics there, kind of kind of screwed the pooch on that one. Um, and the I gotta say, the last question, it did not matter. As I've said before, when I as I said at the beginning of this uh, match uh, of the event. Sometimes you just know before the final question that you're out. And that was the case here for Andrew Guy. He was the only one out no matter what happened. Whether everybody missed and he got the question right, it wouldn't have mattered. Uh, he, he was out. Um, so we had a fun round with Andrew Guy. It was inter- interesting. There was a little bit of controversy almost. There is, it, was, it was a wild round. I don't know how much I could have taken of him. To be honest with you, that was it was like a frenetic kind of round, even though it was just one round with him. But that's just the guy he is, and that's one of the things I love about Andrew Guy. So you know, I love that kind of frenetic energy that he brings whenever he's around. So I love seeing him, but maybe a good thing he was out after one round. <laughs> and we get into round fifteen. Number twenty-eight out is Matt. Atchity. Uh unfortunately for him, Matt Atchity eliminated in this round. Bibiani survives by a thread yet again, holding on, uh, holding on to this to this game with everything that he has. Then we get uh, round sixteen. This is an interesting one. Number twenty nine coming out is Ben Bateman. This round, we get our very first and I believe only challenge of the night, and it's Roka. Um, the answer, it, it, the question essentially was in uh, Reservoir Dogs, what were they uh, trying to steal? The answer was diamonds. Roka answers jewels. Um, they say, you know, they you know they say they can't accept that, so he challenges, saying, you know, diamonds are jewels. And in a previous question. Um, you know, everybody answered dogs. Jeff Snyder answered Doberman. You know, it was a bit more, you know, there was those two different specificity, levels of specificity there. So his argument was kind of more of, you know, well, if that is, if those are, those two are acceptable, then this should be acceptable. Um, but the thing about it is they weren't looking for the specificity with Doberman. They were looking for dogs. But in the Reservoir Dogs, <laughs> Ironically, Reservoir Dogs. Uh, in the Reservoir Dogs question, they were looking for a level of specificity because it's specifically stated, I believe, in the movie, that it's diamonds. So they were looking specifically for diamonds because when you say dog as the answer, yes, it could be you know other types of dogs, but then when Jeff's a little bit more specific, it's still right. But... When they're looking for diamonds and you say jewels, jewels could literally be anything. It could be rubies, it could be emeralds, it could be sapphires. You know, that, those are all jewels. So they were they were really looking for a level of specificity on this one. And so he was not awarded uh, the point. Because apparently like in the notes to the question, they had it written down that it needed to be specific. So they didn't even really confer uh, for the challenge. They just, boom, there it was. Um... This this did not make Roka happy uh, at all, and I'll be honest, it seemed like he gave up, and he just I feel he just kind of gave up on, on on the rest of that round, and it caused him to be eliminated. Um, it just it, it was a bummer to see, 
You know, I've seen this happen with other players before, and 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 you know, Roka gets in his own head sometimes, and I've seen it happen with Roka before, where you just kind of, you know, you get essentially angry at the game and things, and then you just kind of say f it, you know, you give up on it, and unfortunately for Roka, that's what happened here. So he was eliminated at the end of round sixteen, and so we head into round seventeen, new with a uh, with our number thirty competitor you know him you love him it's the godfather drew mcweeney this guy comes out uh anytime you see someone like a like a drew mcweeney coming out it's a that's a force to be reckoned with and so uh what i thought was interesting about this round mark ellis actually made a you know made a joke and actually made harloff laugh Usually Harloff's real good about keeping stone face to Mark's jokes, you know, because they've, they've been working with each other for a long time. And it's kind of, it's funny when that happens, when he just kind of almost like shuts down Mark and his jokes. But he, I don't remember what he said, but he said something and it just made Mark, or it made Christian laugh. It was really funny. So for this round, uh, Ben Bateman winds up being eliminated. We go into round 18 and number 31, the singles champion Dan Merle comes out. Now, this is probably the most epic table lineup that we've had all night. And it's William Bibiani, Dan Merle, Drew McWeeny, Mark Andrako, and Jeff Snyder. Four of the five are former champs. Uh, William Bibiani and Dan Merle were both singles champs. Drew McWeeny and Jeff Snyder, uh, both uh, former teams champs. Andrako, and Andrako is kind of known as the best player in the league who's never had a title, you know. So this is this was a murderer's row of competitors. This was intense. So I I really dug it. Uh, the first question was kind of messed up, um, but they all managed to to get the answer to the asked question. Um, Christian says adapted screenplay, but it should have been original screenplay. Um, so so okay. So I think it was I believe. It was the Coen brothers, if I'm not mistaken. And they were asking, um, what movie did they win? He, what, what movie did they win adapted screen, their first adapted screenplay uh, Oscar for? So I believe that's what it was. Correct me in the comments if, if I'm wrong. I, I believe that's, that's what it was. And so they, they all answer. Christian gives a different answer, saying that they are wrong. Um, but all five of them are like, no, 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 that's original screenplay they won adapted screenplay for this movie. And so they took a minute. And so, like, this was almost a challenge. Um, I mean, I guess you could, I mean, no one really said, oh, I'm going to challenge that. But all five of them were like, whoa, 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 no, no, no. And so they looked into it. And sure enough, for the answer that Christian was looking for, it should have said original screenplay. But because they, because he said adapted screenplay, the answer that all five of them gave uh, was correct, and they were all awarded the point for that. And in just his second round, Drew McWeeny is eliminated. Um, if he had gotten this question right, then Bibbs would have wiped the board again, and that is wild to think. We would have had another uh, four XXXX. You know, and that that would have been that would have been insane. That if Drew had gotten that final question right, 
that Bibbs would have wiped the board again. He and Drew would have taken out three other giant competitors with him. That that would have been nuts. I I, I don't know. That would have solidified uh, uh, Bibbs. You know, here uh, I don't know, and who knows? That could have. I mean, realistically, that could have changed the tide. Um, because as we see, we'll see later on. As a little spoiler, one of these uh, four men who are left on the board, uh, at the table, are the winner. One of these four. And so things could have been very different. We get into round 19. Number 32 out is none other than the captain himself, Robert Meyer Burnett. Unfortunately for Robert... This is the only round he's in as he is eliminated. And this is where we start hearing uh, Christian mentioned it and I started thinking about it as well. The curse of the middle seat. A lot of people from that middle seat start getting eliminated. Um, it seems to be a thing. Uh, we hop into round 20. Mark Riley comes out as number 33. And... The curse of the middle seat continues as Mark Riley is eliminated along with Mark and Draco. Uh, Snyder in this round had a had an impressive, perfect round here, uh, and Bibbs would have uh, if he had said John Hammond instead of just Hammond. He would have also had that perfect round, but so like he knew the answer, so in a sense. He uh, got the perfect round, but they they wouldn't give him the points because he didn't say uh, uh, the first name. So, unfortunate for him. But it, it didn't cost him anything, really. It, it just, he didn't get, it's, it's more like a stat at that point. So, let me get into round 21. Number 34, Tom Dagnino. And number 35, J.T.E. Uh... I don't know if if this is something new, um, but it's something that I didn't know if it if it's not new. But Tom Dagnino's nickname is it's Tricky Tom Dagnino. I had no idea. I I, I don't I don't like I said I don't know if that's something that's new for this that they just started doing or if it's just something I never noticed before. But I thought that was fun. Um, so JTE returns the competition here uh, and up there on the table we he's up there against his former team member Jeff Snyder and his former uh, actually I think these it's technically might be his current manager it was before he left um he, he him and him and Tom stayed together uh when the page or when the lines then broke up but who knows where it is now so it could still it could be his former manager Tom Dagnino either way Tom Dagnino Jeff Snyder JTE all used to be a big crew Lions Den Patriots this was a thing no more but they're all up on the table together, so I thought that was really cool. And JTE came out to the Patriots theme song and cl- and got on the mic and claimed it for himself and said that it's no longer uh, Jeff's uh, theme. He can't use it anymore. This is JTE's theme. Uh, Jeff stopped using it anyways a while back, so I-, I guess it doesn't really matter. So I'm sure they had talked about it or something, but yeah, it didn't really matter. Um Tom had a great line here, uh, which was, the devil wears Prada, but only because God wears Gucci. And I thought that was brilliant. It was, a, I don't know if he made it up, if it's from somewhere, I don't know. But it 
works perfectly for Bobby Gucci. Um, if the de- the devil wears Prada, but only God wears Gucci. I thought that was that was fantastic. I love that. Um, but he may have had a great uh, uh, catchphrase or whatever, and a cool little nickname coming out. But he did not have a good round as Tom Dagnino is eliminated and the curse of the middle seat continues. So then out comes, uh, for round 22, we get Sean Gerber from Superhero News. Uh, Funny thing in this round I wanted to mention, JTE, JTE it. Um, By spelling Lieb Schreiber's name wrong, he said Lieb with a B instead of with a V. And I'm just like, oh my god, JT, really? Lieb Schreiber. Uh, I, it was... They they even... They, they Christian mentions it. Like, he comments on it. How he JT'd it. That was, that was, that was funny. Um, and yet again, the curse continues as Sean Gerber is eliminated. We get into round 23, and out comes Stacy Howard. Uh, so, and so, in this round, we get... Essentially, one one round here where the curse kind of kind of takes a break, as Jeff Snyder unfortunately is eliminated and JTE survives barely. Um, he just just hangs on. Going into round twenty four, Janine the Machine, from as uh, the number thirty eight competitor, and the curse continues as Stacy Howard from the middle seat is eliminated. This this middle seat curse is something real. Uh, coming down here, we get into round 25, the penultimate competitor, number 39. So for this one, the Collider Live theme goes off. And we're like, what? That, that's the For anybody who watches a show, they know what it is. That is the Collider Live theme. Um, for me, I already knew who it was. It was already, before I watched it, it was spoiled for me as to who it was. But... I you know I saw other people talking about you know how they thought it could have been one of two people, you know is it Roxy Stryer because I don't know if we would even know what her theme is I don't even know if she's if she has a theme to be honest with you I don't think she's ever I don't remember if she's competed to be completely honest with you if she has uh, someone drop down in the comments and let me know um, or Brett Sheridan because a lot of people were rooting for Brett Sheridan to to finally to finally um, uh, compete. And lo and behold, you see the Brett with because he's running the camera. He's coming down. He's 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 uh, kind of bringing the camera down with. Uh, I, I, I'm not. I, I think it was probably cops. So I'm not 100 percent sure who else was there with him as he was kind of um, directing the camera down. Uh, and then all of a sudden, he hops up on stage and it is Brett Sheridan as number 39, which I thought was awesome. I love Brett. He's one of my favorite people on Collider Live, um, and I was pumped to finally see him compete. Even if he did not do well at all, uh, the curse continues as Brett Sheridan is eliminated with a very disappointing zero points. I even put in my notes a little sad face because I was pretty bummed about that, but it was fun to see him. He was entertaining up there, uh, so no matter what, it was, it was I was glad that he was there. So then we get into round 26. And our final competitor, none other than the 20, 2017 Free For All MVP, John Humphrey. 
and he's dressed as Dan Merle, which I thought was hilarious, especially because he was sitting right next to Dan Merle. Unfortunately for him, the uh, 2017 free-for-all is his highlight, as just as last year, he did not last very long in this game and was out this round. So that leaves us with just the four leftover competitors. I believe it's uh, William Bibiani, Dan Merle, uh, JTE, and Janine the Machine. Uh, we, uh, As I say, going into round 27, Dan and JTE have perfect rounds. Unfortunately for Janine, she is eliminated, bringing it down to uh, the final three, which is William Bibiani, Dan Merle, and JTE. Round 28. This was an intense round, and this was the very first round to go into sudden death. Um, this is what I was talking about uh, at the beginning, where Christian was talking about perfect round uh, scenarios, um, and, and how if, if everybody on the table got a perfect round, they would get three extra questions. But it wasn't just perfect round. This is th- this was more about sudden death style. And it's when everybody on the table gets the same score. And all three of them got four points. So it's not a perfect round for anybody. So they all got four points. And so they go into sudden death. Three questions for sudden death. Um, during this round of sudden death, JTE asks for a repeat and is allowed the repeat. And I'll be honest, this kind of upset me. Because there was a point earlier in the match, I believe it was Brendan Meyer, who asked for a JTE rule, and Christian said that there are no JTE rules in this in this in the free for all. And so he would not repeat the question. However, for JTE, he repeats the fucking question when when he asked. And I thought that was kind of bullshit. As other competitors were told no to this, yet JTE gets whatever the hell he wants, apparently, just because the damn rule is named after him. That really annoys me when they do shit like that. When you set a rule, you gotta stick to it. This, because that is what pisses me off about shit like that, is when you change the rules for various people. It happened in a recent match where Mark Ellis uh, messed shit up and, and, and counted... Uh, a repeat of multiple choice answers as a JTE rule, but in the same fucking match, didn't count it for another person, and that really pissed me off. And this, as well, pisses me off. You gotta stick with the fucking rules. Otherwise, it's just goddamn chaos, and I don't like that. Anyway, sorry about that. Um, th- so, they all ended up getting uh, the, the, the same score for this sudden death, causing a second round of sudden death, three more questions, and holy shit, Dan Merle wins this second sudden death round, knocking out Bibbs and JTE. This was intense. Dan Merle, the singles champ, has won the free-for-all and now has uh, is now the number one contender for whatever title he wants. Um, if he wants Star Wars, he could do that. If he wants Inner Geekdom, he could do that. Most likely what will happen is one of two things. He kind of alludes to it is that he may hang on to it. Um, most likely he'll hang on to it until after uh, his tit- his upcoming title match. Uh, the triple threat match between him, 
<clears throat> and whoever else, you know, I think it's, I think it's Roca, Bibbs, and Ethan Irwin are the number one contenders, and so he will. Yes, Faith. Oh my God, Faith! I am recording. Go back into the bedroom until I'm done, and I will look at the bag. Do not come out again because you just made me mess up. So get back in the bedroom, or we are not going to play space. Jesus. Fuck, now I'm not sure where I was. I believe it is uh, John Roca, William Bibiani, and Ethan Irwin, number one contender. And so whoever wins that will go on to face Dan. And then so I think what he's going to do is he's going to hang on to it, see if... You know, you know, if he loses that match, then he has the opportunity to go back for it. If he hangs on to it, I'm sure that him and John will talk about it, and they may go for the the tag team belts. Um, you know, go for you know double belt to have the 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 horsemen have a couple of belts, a couple of sets of belts. The founding fathers have have two sets. You know, I think that's something that actually may happen. So. Uh, I'm I'm excited to see what happens with it. Um, now William Bibiani lasted all of the rounds. All he was in there for all 28 rounds and two sudden deaths. He outlasted 37 other competitors, being in the top in the final three. Th- that's insane. And there's no other choice for MVP. They say they they have to talk about it or whatever, but no offense. There is no other choice for MVP but William Bibiani. The fact that he lasted that far, if he had answered one, one more question in that final, in that sudden death, it would have been down between him and, and, uh, and Dan. And like I said before, when, uh, if Drew McWeeny in that round that Drew McWeeny was eliminated, if he had answered his question right, Bibbs would have wiped the board. In that board was Dan Merle. So if Drew had gotten his question right, Dan would have been out, and we would have a different winner here. And it very well may have been William Bibiani. Because the final three would have been JTE, Janine the Machine, and William Bibiani. And that's intense to me. Like, that's fascinating. Uh, I, I, I'm curious how it would have all shooken out. Uh, it probably, you know, it, it seems like if that was the case, you know, maybe it would have come down between uh, uh, JTE, or uh, yeah, between JTE and William Bibiani, and who would have been the winner. Maybe Bibbs would have actually won this whole thing if Drew had gotten that question right. So, like, a lot of things could have changed. And that's wild to think about how much one question could have changed everything. That's it's crazy to think about. But no matter what, William Bibiani has a guaranteed number one contenders match uh, in any in any division that he wants. So like he could, you know, he already has a number one contenders match for the singles title, like I t- just talked about before. He could do. He could take on uh, him and his partner Whitney. Could go and and go for the tag team belts and take on the the number one contenders there, and, and possibly go on to, to win tag team belts. 
um, something that they haven't done yet. So that who knows what what he'll do with that. Uh, I'm I'm super interested to see what happens there. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm fascinated to find out how this will all shake out. Um, Christian, after everything happened, Christian had a big announcement. He had been touting it from the beginning that there was a big announcement. Um, however, because I didn't watch it live, I already knew this announcement. So it was, I'll be honest, it was a little like disappointing that this was the big announcement that he was uh, going on about. But I understand that at the time, that was a big announcement. And it was that um, July 20th, San Diego Comic-Con, uh, Rachel Cushing will defend the Inner Geekdom title uh, against an unknown uh, opponent. This was announced, um, he, he he put it out on his Twitter, I believe, that following night on Sunday, because his, his the, the post that he put out said, this was announced last night, and he put out like the poster and everything, and I, I talked about it on last week's show, um, how I talked about this match being announced then, so it wasn't a surprise. I didn't realize that it was what was announced during the free for all, but so I'm, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm a little shocked that he put it out right there. I'm surprised that he didn't let um, the people see it first, but you know, it is what it is. So it wasn't to me. It wasn't that big of an announcement because I'd already known uh, that that fact. So that wraps up the event. I wanted to talk about a couple of my faves. Um, my favorite outfit of the night. There, it was kind of between three. It was definitely between Vanessa's Finding Nemo uh, entrance, Winston's uh, Us entrance, and Greg Elba's of Star Wars Born entrance. Those were my three favorites of the night. I loved. Uh, all of them, I thought they were they were great. Um, there were some other good ones. Um, the Roberts Police Academy one was good. Um, Janine's Nick Fury one was really good. So there was some there was some real good stuff going on during uh, throughout this event. And my favorite competitor of the night, obviously, William Bibiani. He 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 just destroyed it. He was. He embodied his nickname. He was a beast throughout this event. And I just, it it was, I couldn't believe how good he did. And Brendan Meyer, you know, doing amazing. I think he lasted, what, like 18, 14, no, 12, 12 rounds, quite a few people. That was, it was, he was great. He he did great. I'm excited to see him uh, jump back into the singles league. And see what he can do. Yeah, he had he had a rough start against Paul Paul Oyama, but I'm excited to see what he can do going forward. Um, but I would be uh, remiss if I didn't mention Rachel Cushing. She had a fantastic run at the start here. Uh, two two perfect rounds right off the bat. She did exceptionally well. So uh, I I was really happy to see her. I wish she had been able to come in a little later. But she, I, she she did fantastic. So uh, bravo to Rachel Cushing, Brendan Meyer, and of course William Bibiani. And congratulations to Dan Merle, the winner. He lasted quite a few rounds as well. So congrats to Dan for the win, and I'm excited to see uh, what you do next. And that wraps up everything for this week. Uh, uh, coming up next week on the show. 
I'll be talking about uh, the Inky and the Brain versus the Movie Guys tag team match. Um, we'll also be talking about Janine the Machine taking on her former uh, stablemate Stacy Howard, and uh, Tom Dagnino will be on this week's uh, is on this week's episode of Inside Schmodown, which you can check out right now. Um, the Inky the Brain versus the Movie Guys match is up on Patreon for all patrons and will be available tomorrow for uh, the public on YouTube, so be sure to check that out. And Janine the Machine and Stacy will be up on Friday. So, yeah, be sure to check all of that out. Thank you again for uh, listening. I'm so thrilled to be able to do this. Uh, I love the Schmodown, so anytime I get to talk about it, uh, it, it makes me happy. So please head on over to uh, all my social medias. I am on Facebook and YouTube at Merck with a Movie Blog, so just search that. And then I am on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Movie Blog Merck. Also, check out the other podcast that I produce. It's called After Live. It's the unofficial Collider Live after show. Uh, I have some great guys over there, Mike, Wade, and Sean. They are great, uh, great hosts. They uh, break down the week in Collider Live, so definitely check that out. And, uh, you know, if, if you've got any questions, feel free to reach out. I'm always willing to uh, talk the Schmodown or, or anything, really. Be sure to also check out my website, www.merkwithamovieblog.com. And if you uh, are a big fan of DC Comics, head over to my other site that I am the editor-in-chief of, which is dccomicsnews.com. Uh, I also produce a podcast over there, the DC Comics News Podcast, which is available on all major uh, podcast platforms. Have some great hosts over there. We, they talk all things DC, the news throughout the week, movies, TV, comics, all that good stuff. So be sure to check that out. Uh, this has been Josh the Merc Rainer, and we have been talking Schmodown. <laughs>